A Discourse on Our Practice by the Judgmental Observer Exenius As a part of your devotions, you will have spent time clearing the ivy that canvases our land. You will have spent time peeling them back from masonry, and have learnt that while it is easy to remove the main branch, to heedlessly pull it up will leave a network of roots lodged into the stone. You will have learnt then to treat the vines with care, to first loosen the roots that bind it. Working with a person's memory follows the same principle. It is easy to focus on that core branch, that convenient narrative of what happened. However, fixating on this risks leaving a blanket of half-memories and associations. Our practice is about untangling memory. Done well, the petitioner should have no sense of the memory that they wanted to get rid of. This means that our work will often be tedious. We must cultivate patience, learn to see that network of roots attached to each memory, and work slowly to pry each one free, leaving the stone underneath intact. Welcome to these flimsy rituals, a narrative-first role-playing podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today is Ryan Evans. Hello, I'm Ryan. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. Thryn Henderson. Hi, I'm Thryn, and you can find me at Theron. Steve Martin. Hey, I'm Steve, and I'm on Twitter at purple underscore Steve. And Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. You can find me on Twitter at CSilfGames. And I'm your host, Adam Dixon. You can follow me on Twitter at @tdixon, And you can follow the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. So I think where we left off last time is Belka was being escorted by Aloma Labrensis to the town of Eulogy by um, Aloma Labrensis, who's one of the soldiers of the satrapy. Um, Venge was kind of following alongside, or like behind. And then... Briss and Charla were kind of heading back towards the caravan, um, the location that you said you'd meet. And you had, like, Corin and the, like, cocooned Femre with you as well, I think. So I'm trying to think of, like, a good place to start. Maybe a good place would be with Belka. What up? So just as a reminder, you're with, like, Tillabrak, Taloma, and, like, two other soldiers, I think. And they're all wearing, um, like, this clay armour and, like, purple robes and, like, tall helmets. Now, Venz was following Belka and Tilla and the soldiers. So is Venz kind of, like, sort of also going to be... Um, I think Venz might be a little bit behind. We'll explore where Venz is next scene. If anything dangerous happens, I hope Venz is extremely nearby. <laughs> <laughs> I'd kind of imagine Venz as, like, following tracks sort of distance away. So it's mid-morning when you arrive in Eulogy. Um, Eulogy is quite a small settlement, I think, like somewhere between a village and like a market town. It's the centre of like governance here, but it's not necessarily a large place. Most of the people that live here are, are the monks of the Revenant Chorus. What draws your eyes straight away is the building in the centre of the town. It's, it's quite large, it's kind of got like a circular domed roof, and like two wings going out from that. It kind of protrudes quite high up. It's, it's quite obvious that it's some sort of, like, religious building, I think. And I think that the building is also, like, the library, uh, where the monks keep all of their records and books. The rest of the settlement kind of grows out of that. Um, there is, like, a, a garden immediately outside of the monastery. And then kind of away from that, there are, like, assorted buildings. Um, a lot of them are, like, the houses that the monks live in. But, like, there are, there are other places. I imagine there are some villages still here. So, like, some places where people have their families and run, like, small businesses, like, sort of tending to the monks' needs. As you come into town, it is, like, unusually busy. There are lots of bells ringing. There are, like, crowds of people um, all over the place, I think. Um, some of them seem to be going out to the woods that border the edge of Eulogy, and they're, like, cutting down trees. Of one seem to be applying fresh, bright colours of paint to the buildings. And then there seems to be, like, a lot of travellers who are coming into town. Like, some of them are, like, individuals, some of them seem to be, like, groups, and some of them are, like, holding censers and um, garlands of flowers, and the monks seem to be, like, directing them back into the woods. From what you can tell, like, today seems to be some kind of celebration. And as you walk into town, 
one of the monks like greets your group and kind of looks past the soldiers to you and Tilla and goes, Hi, welcome. You must be here for Lentelic. Hello. Welcome? <laughs> no, I am here for Tilla. And then just like plunk a hand firmly on Tilla's shoulder. <laughs> I think like the soldiers just kind of like grab you. Come on, keep going. And like turns to the monk and like, leave them alone. They've got business with the Oscar. With the who? I have no business. Who is Lentil? Where are we going? <laughs> who is Lentil? The monk kind of like rushes alongside you and he's kind of like doing like a fast walk as you're both being pushed along. And they're just, they're like, the Oscar, she's the leader of our order. Never heard of her and just keep walking. <laughs> um, I, I think as like the monk drops back, they shout, I hope you get to enjoy Lentelic. I nod, I guess, <laughs> like I know what they're talking about. That's my new tactic. I know what everyone's talking about. So yeah, I, I think you're led towards the monastery and like, as you're going, you, you see like, there seems to be like tables being set up in like the town centre. You see like groups heading out into the woods. Some of them seem to just be carrying like buckets filled with like hot water and like ladders, cleaning stuff. They, they seem to be going out for like a purpose. But yeah, you're led into the monastery, which, as I said, is like a large building, which is kind of like domed in the centre. Um, you're kind of like led through the gardens that surround it, which are kind of maintained by the monks and have a range of like water features, I think, and like some, some like flowers. But like half of it has been overtaken by like a load of tents. And there seems to be like soldiers like these ones kind of like mooching around outside. Some of them are doing drills, but some of them seem to be off duty. Um... I think the monastery, like the rest of the town, is painting like extremely bright, like cheerful colours. I think up close is a little bit more ramshackle. It, it seems like very old, and like that. There's definitely signs that like the vines and other like similar plants that like characterise this area have kind of helped it to crumble a little bit. You're led inside, into like the domed wing of this place. It's like a large, almost like gothic cathedral kind of space with like domes and stairs going up. And as you're, like, led into the place, Aloma grabs you by the arm and starts to lead you up one set of stairs, while the other two soldiers start to take Tiller the other way. They seem to be going downstairs. You're coming this way, you've got a meeting with the Oscar. Tiller has been requested by Observer Axenius, and just starts pulling you upstairs. I don't know whether I want to follow Tiller or just grab them and have them follow me, but... I want one of those two things. <laughs> no, Tilla can come with me. I think that's my plan. Okay. Because it seems like Tilla's just had a real bad time with whatever these people do. So how are you going to try and convince them? Either refuse to move or just <laughs> kind of grab hold of them. Grab hold of Tilla? Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess the question is, like, is this even a move? Or do they just pull you along? They can try. I'm I'm not small. No, but they are like a soldier with a weapon. So what are you doing? Are you just grabbing Tiller to pull them along? I think I'm just standing in the middle of wherever they've taken us and refusing to move unless we both go in one direction. I think Aloma turns and just goes, just, just take them. And like Tiller is just kind of dragged by the other two. Well, then I'm staying here. They can't make me go to any means. I think Aloma hits you. Uh, one harm. All right, then. Aloma's not a nice person. So that's one wound? Yeah, one wound. And I think, like, as as you, like, tumble, you get the sense that someone is, like, standing on one of the balconies above you, and you just hear, uh, like, someone shout out, Soldier, what are you doing? He hit me. <laughs> and then, yeah, let's cut there. Okay, so Vens, um, you were following at a distance, right? Yeah. Say maybe like half hour behind, something like that. Okay. Your, your plan is to head to Eulogy yourself? Yeah, obviously I want to make sure that Belka's okay, so I'm going to follow them in. So, in my mind, I have like a few things that might happen here, regardless of whether you make it to Eulogy or not. Um, so... Maybe the best way to resolve this is to start with a roll um, and see what happens. Maybe it's just like attempt fate. Okay. To see whether you make it to eulogy, okay. 
How are you feeling on this journey? How are you feeling after like the events at uh, Tiller's place? Maybe worried, worried about Belka, and just worried about what might happen. But I don't know how that translates into like sad or scared. I mean, scared sort of makes sense to me, but you could like put that either way, maybe. It's fine. I'll I'll go with scared. I rolled eleven. Cool. Well, I think that means you make it to Eulogy. I'm just going to walk right in like I own the place. So yeah, I think it's a little bit later uh, in the day. Like, not not by much when you make it to Eulogy. And I think as you enter the town, you kind of pick up on the same things. Or do you have your new move, actually? Yeah, um, I've got a new move for Vens, which is well-travelled. When you arrive in a new place, you may tell everyone about the customs, traditions, or aspects of the culture you notice. If you do, take plus one forward acting on them. Do you want me to explain a bit more any of the stuff that's happening? Would that help, or do you want to just go straight in? Um, I'd already kind of thought of something. I thought that when you make a deal or you complete a transaction in Eulogy, that as a way of thanking you for your custom, uh, the people of Eulogy give you a gift. Okay. But whether that's a valuable gift or not, it's up to them. Yeah. I kind of, like, especially because it's a place about giving up memories and stuff like that. Like, maybe that gift doesn't have to be valuable, but, like, relates to something about themselves. As a has a meaning to whatever, you know, thing you've, you've arranged. Yeah, that makes sense. I can imagine that coming in useful. So, yeah, I think as you enter a town, um, we see, as an audience, we see, we see, like, the same monk come up to you. This monk walks up to you and says, Hi, are you here for Lentilic? Um... No, I'm I'm here looking for a friend. Have you seen them? You'll you'll you might have to give me a description, but maybe. I've I've been greeting people who are coming like all morning. Vens holds his arm up in the air and he's like, uh, they're about this big, loads of bells on their head, you know the horns, really distinct. Ah uh, ah uh, yeah 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 I um uh, I think I know who you mean um. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh... I, do you know where they went? I, 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 I do, but... I, are, are you sure you want to get involved in this? Well, as I said, they, they're my friend. I'm already involved. Yeah, the monk, like, looks at you and is like, Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they got taken to see the Oz cult. They were being escorted by soldiers, like, uh... uh. That's okay, I've met the soldiers. Where did they go? Where, where's the horse cult? Oh, um, they're in the monastery. Um, I, I don't know whether like, you'll be able to go in, but, but I can take you there. If Oh, that's okay, I'm sure I can persuade them. Thank you for your help. No, so it, it's no bother, like, I'd like the company. <sighs> you know, like, all I've been doing is meeting and greeting people, like, all morning. It, it, it'd be nice to just, you know, chat to someone. Very well, I'd lead on. Um... I I can try get you an audience. I I you know I I'd be I, very I am grateful a monk. If, I I I can see that. I'd be very grateful if you could uh, could help me there. I think it, like as you're walking towards the monastery, it's like, what what's your name, friend? Uh, my name is Vens. And yours? Uh, well, I guess my full name um is is the Lax Sepult Abil, but you can just call me Abil. Well, it's nice to meet you, Abil, and already I'm very grateful for your help. That's okay. So, so have you been to Eulogy before? I don't think so. <laughs> like, just, just looks at you and like, you know, like gives gives you like some eyes and goes, "If you don't think so, maybe, maybe you have. You you know what our trade is, right?" Of course. I mean, everybody knows about what goes on at Eulogy. The monk just kind of nods. Well, you chose a good day to come if you've not been before. Lentilic is um, the best day of the year. New Year, everything gets freshly painted, everyone celebrates, lots of mead in the evening. I think you'll like it. Is it just a celebration, this lentil? <laughs> Lentilic, yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, it's, well, it, it's sort of like a celebration of, of the year. All, all these people, and just kind of like points out, starts pointing out like small groups, like, they're they're a group of like grave seekers that they've been, you know been sent out to tend to different graves around here and pay pay respects and pay tribute and like points out to like the woods uh, where you can see like some people chopping down trees like they're establishing the border that was agreed with Doya 
Ah, oh, just a new year. Everything's so alive. I love it. Who is Doya? The Remnant. Ah, of course. I don't know if that's something that Vens would have known. Um, that's what I'm just be. trying to think. Maybe you have a different name for the Remnant? I don't know. I think that's fine. Probably maybe good to ask that question. Abiel kind of nods and goes, Okay, it's just it's just through these gardens and like starts leading you um through the gardens just outside the monastery. Let's fade there. Um let's cut to to Briss and Charla, I guess. Hello. Hello. So where do we want to come in? Is there anything we want to see on the road, or do you want to cut to, like, getting to the rest of the caravan? I don't know if there's anything to see on the road. I think it's mostly just singing. Yeah, I think it's just going to be lots of awkwardness uh, around Fenrir, and Briss has probably spent some time stuffing moss in her ears. I like how you have awkwardness and I have fun road trip songs. It's great. I like the fact that you've now taught these kids that if they want to get away with anything, just sing really loudly so that, like, Briss deafens herself, and then you can just sneak off. Look, no one said she was a good parent. <laughs> Briss can still see them. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's start on you reaching the caravan. Who is, like, the first person you see? Who is, like... It, it could be, like, one of the scouts, or it could be someone, like, out, I guess? Who is the first person you bump into? Considering we've been out longer than we were supposed to, and we did give them a meeting place, I imagine they've been there waiting for us. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, which means they've probably got people out keeping an eye out for us. So I'd imagine it would be one of the scouts. It could be Iov. That conversation when we left a while ago was not the most fantastic. So I could imagine Iov trying to find us if we did not come back right away. That sounds good. Yeah, we've not had Iov on screen for ages, actually. Where were you meeting? I, I don't think we ever established this, right? Um... I found the waterfall when I mm. went scouting. I think there was, like, following the stream down from that, there was, like, a small pond, um, and the road crosses over the, the river, so it's quite easy to spot from the road. It would have been very easy for them to find. Nice, it's a good meeting place. As you get closer to the place where you're meeting them, you can kind of smell uh, the smells of, like, cooking, and you can hear, like, some of the sounds of voices kind of drifting up um, through the trees, and then you see a, a familiar face in front of you, and it, it's the face of Ioff. He takes a moment to take in, like, who you are, and, like, there's a split second of, like, pause, and then he just kind of, like, looks and goes, Chala! Ioff! Ioff! Fenrir is now a butterfly, but we're doing a really good job, and we're singing to Fenrir all of the time, and he's going to grow much bigger, and everything is fine, and we're handling it. Briss is scared. I think Ioff had been in the process of starting to, like, fast walk up to you and kind of, like, stops at that point, but then, like, continues and takes a little bit of time, like, inspecting the cocoon and then goes, ah, yes, this looks normal. We've seen this before. Belka said that Fenrir was just fine and that we just needed to tell stories and sing to him. And so we've been doing that. Briss has not been helpful. You've been doing just fine on your own. Ioff then looks at Briss and is like, the others, where where are they? Where Belka? They've gone to they've gone to eulogy. Um, we need to get everyone together and go and find them. Long story. We need to get there quickly. Some soldiers came and took them. <sighs> yes, that soldiers. We were with Tilla, and there were these people that took their memories away, and the soldiers came to take them away to take more of their memories away, and Belka went with them. Tilla, I I'm not sure I know Tilla. Look, it's a long story. Can we get back to the camp? Uh, we need to get everyone packed up and on the move. I'm sure Chala will fill you in the details on the way. I have nods and points you in the direction of the camp, and I think, like, as you're kind of walking, starts to, like, uh, look at Femrir again, and it's like, so, so what stories were, were you telling him? And, like, I think we fade on that. Good. Mm -hmm. Back to Belka, I guess. So I think the person that uh, stopped Aloma fast walks downstairs. As you're getting up, kind of like walks across this open hallway, lo looks at Aloma and is like, you can leave us now. I hope Aloma's stupid weapon got caught in my horns and my <laughs> Like, as Aloma leaves, the person, like, offers you a hand to help you up and says, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. This is not the kind of hospitality that we like to give. I get up by myself, thank you, dust myself off. You are very rude to guests here. 
Please don't take the actions of that captain to, to reflect on the monks here. Are you the one known as Belka? Maybe. Some mutual, well, let's call them friends, uh, said that I'd want to talk to you. Was it Aloma? They are not my friend. I believe you met them on the road as you entered our territory. Uh, Memento Mori. Okay, at this, Belka looks much more cheerful. <laughs> this whole day has been rubbish so far, but they remember Memento Mori fondly. Please, I, I, I'm the Abeyant or Sculpt Kalson. Would, would you mind meeting with me for a moment? I think Belka kind of wearily looks up at the sky and whispers, I would mind very much, but let's. So just to give, like, the, like, Kelson some, like, description, they are, like, um, like, quite a short, stocky woman, and they're wearing, like, lots of brown clothes and robes, um, that kind of, like, cover most of her body and kind of, like, even go up into the hair, and it's kind of, like, covered in, like, bindings. I think a lot of her skin is, like, heavily wrinkled, and, like, her hands, you notice that, like, she wants to pull you up, like, covered in liver spots. She also wears, like, a cloak over her shoulders, which is made from, like, moth fur. She slowly starts walking up the stairs, kind of leading um, you to, towards like her office and her quarters. Let's go to her office, I suppose. So her office is like two flights up at the top of this dome, um, and I think like as you enter, it, it's quite a large space, and like the dome kind of like covers all of it. It's kind of got like this odd juxtaposition in that the dome is like very fancifully painted with images and icons that are important to this group of monks and like their larger religion. Paintings of like different remnants, I think there's like some more local stuff, like um, there definitely seems to be some stuff relating to like the region and Doyo is definitely encapsulated and things like that. Um, but I think like the stuff that the Orskull keeps, her desk and her office space is like quite austere, like it's, it's quite plain wood and she doesn't have like a lot of stuff like ornamentation around it. Um, and she sits on one side and kind of like gestures for you to sit on the other. I'm, I'm sorry again for the soldier. Captain Aloma can be a bit overeager. He is perhaps too keen. You could fire him. <laughs> I wish I had that authority. Mm. We swear fealty to greater powers, and those greater powers send captains like Aloma Lebrensis. Maybe they are not all that great all the time, then. No, but we do what we must. I'm sorry that you were dragged here, but it seemed important that we should talk. For two reasons, really. One is that I've been hearing rumours of a large group of people travelling through Senya. I was hoping that you could tell me more about them. I just want to make sure that they're not a threat. And the second reason? I think at that, like, she turns and, like, points to, like, one of the images painted behind her, and it seems like an image of a mountain with, like, fog drifting over it, and goes, it seems you've got the attention of Doya. I think at that, Belka just nods, like, approvingly. Like, <laughs> yeah, I should hope so. But first, the people you're travelling with, who are they? Well, that depends. Are you going to eat their memories too? Eat? We don't eat memories here. We preserve memories that people choose to give up. There's no force, no manipulation. They choose to give up what they give up. You made Tilla come here. Tilla? I guess Belka's just going to point in the vague direction of the floor. My, my friend. I think. My new friend. The rancher? I've not made them come here. Well, obviously not you. Your bad captain and the other two. They, they are here now? Yes, do you know what happens here? Like, she looks, like, kind of worried. They wouldn't let me go downstairs with them, and they take too much, and my friend doesn't remember things. They Stop it! Um, this is maybe, like, a manipulate, I think. In my mind, like, there's a couple of ways she could respond. One is just acting on your concern, mm -hmm. and the other is just doing that thing that people in authority do, and go like, okay, cool, let's just accept this is happening, let's see what happens. So manipulate is when you try to convince an NPC to do something you want, roll, and on a hit they do it and choose one, on a 79 choose two. So I guess you're trying to get her to, like, care. I'm very mad. Yes. It has been a day. It has been a day. Ooh, that is a four. Um, oh no. 
So she just kind of like looks at you and goes, if Tillo's here, they're here for a reason. Tell me about the people who entered Senya. Who are they? The village? What village? I need to know that the monks here are safe. That you're not bringing a caravan of soldiers. They are people. I guess they don't have a village anymore. I imagine some of them could be dangerous. Most people can be. When they're angry enough. They're just villagers, though. Belka shrugs again. Who is just anything? Certainly they are villagers. They could be much more. I believe in them. <laughs> so speaking of villagers, let's like leave this conversation for a minute. Maybe go back over to Briss and Chala. Do I think at like this point I've kind of been led to like the main encampment of the village? I've maybe been here like a day, just kind of waiting for you all to show up. Um, I think we got like a long shot of like Tien running over to Chala and Corin and just being like, Chala, where, where have you been? What have you seen? Tell me, tell me all about it. And kind of being led off and probably like, you know, her family coming over to say hello and all of that sort of stuff. I think Briss gets like a different image. They see a face that they maybe didn't want to see. They, they see the face of Verask. Um, so if you don't remember, Verask is, I think we described him as kind of like the wildflower kind of character. He's, he's like very beautiful. He is um, Kalan and Shu's boyfriend. And the last time we saw Verask was when Briss left him to die in the caves. Not necessarily left to die, but like made the choice to save Corin instead of him. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think you draw a lot of tension as you come into a camp, and Verask has like now awakened, had been like kind of unconscious since then, and I think pulls himself up using like a, a crutch. I think like walks over to you and like spits on the ground in front of you. I think everything else is like gone quiet and people are just watching to see what happens. What the fuck are you doing here? You left us to die in those caves. She left us to die in those caves. Very quietly, she says, If you want me to apologise for making the decision I made, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry for what happened. I'm sorry for the result of my decision. But I made the right decision. I would... I would die for anybody here. You ran. You ran from us all. And so, like, I think there are, like, tears streaming down Verask's face at the moment. Like, so many of us died because of your choice. And they didn't know. They didn't know of your cowardice. You didn't even tell them. You've been lying to them. There's nothing to say. I made the right decision. And I know it hurts to hear it, and I'm sorry. But I'd do it again. I think just Verask says, fuck you. And, like, spits on the floor again and just, like, starts walking away. I guess there's like maybe a role here and it's maybe it's like a manipulate and it's not necessarily for Verask, it's for like everyone else. If that makes sense, like to see where <laughs> people stand or like, yeah, where people stand from the argument. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm trying to f- figure out how she's feeling. I think she's probably angry, actually. Uh, like at who? Or like at what? At Verask for not understanding. She she doesn't she doesn't regret what she did at all, and for him to try and force her to feel bad for saving Corin, she's yeah that's that's not cool. Your lad did get his face ripped off. Yeah, yeah. Verask is definitely like yeah. just to like update on Verask's description. Like is sc- like has a huge scar or like lots of scars on his face. Oh yeah, and yeah. I think also. It's kind of that interesting thing on, like, interpretation of events, because, like, having listened back mm-hmm. to that episode recently, like, there's a bunch of stuff where, yeah, you did save Corin, but also Corin was, like, definitely in relative safety. Mm. And that's interesting. Well, he, he ran in. So I, I I ran up to him. I ran up to where he was. I think Corin was behind you. brought him back from there. You, you basically turned around and picked up Corin and ran away. And that was what Verask saw. Ah, like, you, you had gone in to save Corin, <laughs> but, like, that was... Uh... So Verask saw you, like, find the village and then turn away. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Briss regrets, obviously, that she was forced to make a decision between two bad bad choices, but no no qualms about, about what she did. 
No, that's fair. Is that angry? Mad? So yeah, I think yeah, I think I think she's mad at the idea she should feel guilty for saving Corin, and yeah, no time for that. That's a nine. When you try and manipulate an NPC to do something, which is kind of I'm taking this to mean like the the assembled village. Sure. Roll. On a hit, they do it and choose one, on 79, choose two. So the options are, you owe them tribute, you're going to need to give them something up front, you need to do a favour first, or you need to give a piece of yourself, body or spirit. Um, I think owe tribute. I'm going to have to make this up to them. Yeah, maybe what you see is, like, there is hurt there, but, like, you've also shown that you do do stuff for them. Mm -hmm. Well, I came back. Yeah. And maybe you see, like would it be maybe it's like shoe like on on his way to like go back to verask just kind of like taps you on the shoulder in like a in like a kind way and then goes over to verask and kind of helps verask back to his tent and i think give a piece of myself body or spirit okay and what does that involve i don't know um any ideas i mean i can give you an opportunity to do that sure yeah because yeah. it's a mixed role i want to make a move back at you yeah yeah definitely and I think, like, as, like, everyone's dispersing, um, but, like, not dispersed, um, a thing happens, and it is not a good thing. I think, like, people are kind of muttering, like, people are kind of, you know, working out where they stand, and, and like, doing that thing that communities do, where they kind of build, like, consensus through, like, gossip between them and trying to, like, negotiate. But, like, suddenly there is, like, a hissing scream, and you turn, and you see a figure charging through the trees. See, you don't know them, but I think the audience would sort of recognise them as looking like Darishnim Shif, who is one of the jackals. But I think they're sort of different. So, like, Darish was sort of, like, 5'10", quite broad in build, with, like, pink skin, and, like, high, wild hair. And, like, the thing that was kind of noticeable about them when we saw them before is they had, like, this, this patch that kind of ran down their hair and, like, kind of all the way down, like, their face and, like, presumably along, like, the rest of their body that was kind of, like, totally colourless, as if it was, like, just totally gone. And this version of Darish, that is, like, a chasm. There's just nothing there. There is, like, a, a shard missing from the top of his head to, like, I guess, like, his crotch. And as you turn to look at this shouting, you see uh, this this strange, like, simulcra of Darish, like, charge axe raised at... Seems to be going, like, straight towards Leaf, who is, like, the dog. And you see, like, Cast begin to raise his rifle, and Derish brings his axe down and sends, like, Cast splaying to the floor. His rifle kind of, like, scatters across the uneven ground, and Derish is now charging straight towards Leaf uh, with murderous intent. I think you are sort of between them. What do you do? Um, draw sword, stand, and try and... Like straight up rugby tackle, just try and get get my center of gravity low, and tackle them around the waist. So is this like a protect or? A... Uh, yeah, protect. Yeah, I'm 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 not trying to inflict harm right now. I'm just trying to stop them from charging. Okay. So when you act to protect another from harm, a roll on a templus you protect them and suffer little minus one harm in their place. On a seven to nine, you take all all of the harm in their place. Um. I think I think it's it's too soon for Briss to fe- be feeling any anything other than mad right now. Yeah, so I'm gonna roll that. You've got like a special protect move, but I don't think you can use it here. I think it's like when you've got bonds, right? Yeah. So that's five. <laughs> that's bad. Oh no. <laughs> so you're going to like tackle them? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you rush to tackle like this charging figure, and you just go straight through them. And, like, as you turn, you see the axe, like, hit down onto Leaf's flank, and you hear this, like, cry of pain. Uh, Charla, how, how are you reacting at the minute? Not well. No animals get hurt on Charla's <laughs> watch. Not a chance. No. Uh-uh. No. Not no. Mm-mm. So what are you doing? Probably something super stupid. I mean, honestly, the only option that I have, since I still don't have all of the moves, are... Uncanny potential or tempt fate, and I'm probably going with uncanny potential. Yeah, I I, I think at a minute like Dirish has his axe raised for like another blow. Like it's not like you've got lots of time. No, so 
Though I'm not, I don't really have a clear idea of how to attack a, a thing that isn't there. I mean, uncanny potential, I think we've kind of linked to Strail, right? Is it just you shout Strail? <laughs> Summon Ice Bear of Knives. <laughs> just asking for Strail's help. Yeah, no, just, a- just asking for Strail's help, probably in a somewhat desperate manner. I already promised to do what Strail asked, but doubly promising to do what Strail asked? Just this has to stop. Um, and I would say that I am scared. That's fair. All right. I wonder what this will do. That's a 13. So, so how does Uncanny Potential work? So, Uncanny Potential. Uh, you have the potential to manipulate the supernatural when you attempt a roll on a 10 plus pick 2 on a 7 to 9 1. And the options are you do what you set out to do, you don't attract unwanted attention, you don't suffer wear or wounds. Okay. I'm going to do what I set out to do and not suffer wear or wounds. I don't think there's any way, even if I wanted to, that I wouldn't attract unwanted attention. Yeah, I think that's the interesting one, right? Like, yeah. you've just done this in the middle of everyone. Of the village. <laughs> but, you know, no animals get harmed, so... It, is it time for the ice bear? I would really like the ice bear. So Ziz has been asking for, like, the ice bear for however long we've been recording since it last since showed up. Since the ice since, bear was since mentioned. Since the ice bear showed up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what happened was we met an envoy who was described as roughly the size and presence of a bear. But mostly made it of ice knives. It is most certainly not a yeah. bear. Was basically, <laughs> I think, moved by like being like a swirling mist of like sickle-like limbs, roughly in the shape of a bear. But we did use the word bear, unfortunately. Okay, we so. used the word bear, so it is an animal, and I imagine it has some kind of eyes, and it's cute. No, <laughs> it's a sentient. So apparently, cloud we all have very nice. different definitions of cute. Evil. Anyway. Wife. That's the only thing I can think of, of Chala asks Strail to summon something to stop this. I think a swirling cloud of ice knives coming between this person and Leaf would be very effective. Yeah, and I think what happens is it just seems to, like, form... Like, it's very obvious it's you. I imagine your, the way of asking for help is just you shouting Strail very, very loudly. And then all of a sudden, like, this thing just seems to materialize um, from swirling winds next to Darish. And as Darish is, like, raising his axe to land, like, the coup de grace against Leaf, like, he just suddenly turns. And this storm of icicles and, like, razor-sharp limbs is probably not quite bear-sized at the minute, but kind of, like, forms to be bear-sized as it moves, just totally overtakes uh, his body. As quickly as it forms, it kind of, like, shrinks back out of existence. And when it goes, Durish, or, like, this effigy of Durish is, like, no longer there. And everyone is just kind of looking round in shock and surprise. A lot of eyes are, like, particularly on, on Chala. Chala, what the hell? Chala, what the hell? So Leaf is on the floor, there's, like, a wound in his side. But I think, strangely, it's not, like, leaking blood. It's not, like, a wound of, like, a normal animal. There is the cut where the blade has kind of gone in, and, like, as you look at it, you can see it sort of re-knitting in, like, a really weird way. Okay. It is not doing it well, but, like, it is doing it well enough to heal. It's almost as if, like, inside is just, like, stone, almost? Or, like, clay? Almost like the same colour as, like, the Shadows Canyons. Charles is just going to be as comforting as possible. Um, okay. I think at the same moment, there were, like, some people gathered around Cast as well. I think Cast definitely came off worse in this. Are either of you with Cast, or...? Um, I'm calling to Corin and telling him to go and get Vilta. You shout for Corin to go and find Vilta, and he rushes off into the tents. Um, I'm going to go up to Cast. Yeah, you go up to Cast and there were like a few people gathered around him and he seems to have come off worse than Leaf did. And there's almost like a cloud of spirits like kind of leaking out from like his side where the axe hit him. Um, he's awake and he's kind of grimacing and looks at you as you walk over. Uh, what do I do? How do I fix it? Cast, how do I fix it? I, I think he just like, through like very closed teeth, just says Weaver. <laughs> They're coming. They're coming. It's okay. 
Just uh, keep talking, okay? Keep talking to me. How's uh, how, how's the camp been? What's it been like? Basically just tries to start up a conversation, tries to keep him conscious. Peaceful. It, it's, it's nice here by, by, by the lake. And then, yeah, I think we kind of cut there and go back over to Venn's. So I think Obil, who I don't think we've described yet, but like is fairly short. They have like an exoskeleton, like pieces of bone outside their body, which are often like cream white with like beehive patterns. And they've got like carvings that have been like dyed like tattoos. Um, they wear like the long robes of their order and like their face is kind of like a little bit more fleshy than the rest of their body. And like bone plating kind of covers their skull. They've, they've got like a very friendly face, I think. Like they're, they're very friendly and warm and a little bit bumbling. And they, they kind of like lead you into like this monastery and you're in like the big dome part that like Belka was in before. I think you have to go like past a couple of soldiers to go in. There seems to be like a presence of military here. Um, and Lay looks at you and goes, you said you've not been here before, right? Well, yes, uh, not that I remember. They kind of, like, stretch their arms out and go like, Well, this is the Helctic Library. Both our monastery, we come here to worship, and downstairs is where we keep all of the memories that that we, uh, that the, the people give us. You, you wanted to come see the Orskult, right? Uh, yes, yeah, if that's where my friend was being taken, of course, that's where I'd like to be. They kind of point to, like, one of the benches that kind of, like, line some of the halls here. Like, I sort of imagine them as, like, wooden window seats. Well, if you'd like to take a seat, um, I will go right up to the Orskult and, and and I'll try and get a meeting time for you. Oh, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll come with you. Oh, uh, you really shouldn't. Like, <laughs> No, I please. insist. It's fine. <laughs> I'll come with you. They won't like it. I, I understand I, already... that they won't like it, but I really insist. <laughs> but I won't... You, you get me into... Please, please don't. Please. Well, I, I mean, if, if you don't want to associate yourself with this, it's fine. I can, I can do this myself. But, but they've seen me with you. Oh, that's okay. I, I'll, I'll tell them you were just a, a, a good guide and you, you brought me here just to... I knew where I was. I say you were very welcoming because you did really make me feel welcome as I came into eulogy, but... Uh, Obviously, this next part might not be good for you. Please, they, they, they already, like, call me Lax Obil. Obil, who just lets anything go. Push over Obil. Please, just... It'll be two minutes. I just need to let them know that I brought you here and that you're fine. The Oscar, she'll want to see you. And, like, starts, like, moving towards the stairs. Um, I think Venz is going to let them go. Okay. Um, Let them go up the stairs, but then just follow in about a minute's time. <laughs> okay, let's go back to Belka. I think as we go back into the room, like, the characters' positions have shifted a bit. Like, it's definitely, like, they've been talking a little bit and, like, they're, they're kind of, like, a little bit worn out, almost. How is this conversation going? Are you still, like... I think Belka is becoming increasingly purposefully obtuse as this conversation goes in, because it didn't start out how they wanted and it hasn't gone anywhere they wanted since then. Listen, I just need to be assured that the people you're travelling with aren't going to harm us. I think Belka probably laughs partially a bit bitterly, and it's like, if they do harm you, it will probably be by accident. So just villagers, then? What does just villagers mean? Everyone is villagers. We all live somewhere. So not soldiers, is what I mean. The soldiers' reports, I, I get to see very little of them, and the soldiers are treating you like you're a threat, and I just want to make sure that that isn't true. Your soldier hit me on the head. And I'm sorry for that. It's an uneasy relationship. Have you tried not having them? If we had a choice, they wouldn't be here. I think this is the only thing in this conversation so far that has warmed Belka to them a little bit. Yes. I would prefer to not have them also. So, now we're getting somewhere. Why, do, why are these villagers who don't have a village coming this way anyway? There was a road, and it came this way. They need things, I think. Beds. Why did they and leave? Soup and hope, maybe? Like, she's definitely someone that is, like, used to being, like, listened to and getting the answers she wants, and she's just looking very much like. <sighs> why did they leave? Because the village was not good? They need a new one, I think. 
So are you like straight up refusing to give the reason why? I mean, she seems like she's got a lot going on. I don't want to be like, there was a storm and it ate people, maybe? I mean, also the mountain and corpus. Are you not, like, mentioning that? I don't know who this woman is. Someone hit me on the head. I don't know where Tiller is. Venz hasn't turned up yet. And this place is full of books. So all in all, I'm not in a super great place. Yeah. Don't worry, the cavalry's on the way. (laughs) I think, like, this is the moment where she's, like, starting to wrap it up. Please, if I, if I may, like, offer you a hospitality, I'll get one of the monks to find you a place to stay, and, and we can talk some more later about Doya. I think, like, at that point, like, is when, like, there's a knock at the door. Oh, thank God. And, like, I think Obil kind of opens the door. Calson's like, what is Obil? And are you just coming straight in, Vince? I'm 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 waiting for Obil to say something like Obil is like there's there's someone here to see you. They're, they're, Thank they're... you, Obil. That will be all. And I just like Vens just comes straight <laughs> through the door. <laughs> oh, Vens! I lost Tilla. I got hit. This lady thinks the village is dangerous. Maybe. Who are you? Are you okay, Belka? My head hurts. Who are you? I'm Vens. Who are you? <laughs> I am the abeyant or sculpt Kalsun. I think she's okay, maybe. I have not decided yet. I think she says, like, perhaps you can talk some sense where your companion has not. I, I don't think so. I think Belka's much better at talking than I am. Who are you? Why are you here? Why are you travelling with the group of people that have entered Senya? And why are the people you're travelling with in Senya? I told you, we came for beds and soup. Oh. And maybe a person. A person? So I think we've like spoken about this a little bit off screen because we kind of forgot to do the on screen like explainer of like who this person is. But I think like I think Maddie described her as like a scientist. I think it's like a scientist or a binder. So a binder is someone that kind of like works with spirits and stuff. And I think they had like a lot of strange technology that Maddie hadn't seen before. There was like a group of them that came originally to the mountains who were carrying a lot of heavy boxes. They probably used like a lot of pack animals as well to like kind of get their stuff there. And they all kind of dressed in weird ways. Probably what we'd recognize as like suits, but like kind of in like that style that you get a suit in like a Western, I guess. Maybe a little bit like of like how like Nilcat dresses, maybe. It's definitely like they've come from a place that like technologically is a little bit more advanced than this place. Um, and I think the person was a woman in her 50s. I think she wore, like, glasses. And I think she had, like, axolotl fringe sort of ears as, like, the distinguishing feature. I don't think you've got a name, but I think that's what she looks like. Yes, a scientist. Or a binder, maybe? They are probably by themselves. But they could not be. They might be with a group. They may have boxes? But then they might not have taken the boxes with them. There definitely is a person. And then after that, I'm not so sure. As you're, like, saying all of this, um, her eyes sort of narrow a little bit, and it's like, she looks at you both and goes, tell me who you are, and why your village is travelling here, and I think I might be able to tell you where your woman is. Look, the, the village... We're just with them. There was a storm, an impossibly big storm, drove us out of the Sharo. A lot of things happened during that storm, including the death of a remnant. And those people were not safe there anymore. And now they are searching for a new home. I think Belka probably didn't want to tell her all of this information and as Vens finishes speaking they stand up and kind of slam both their hands on the table (laughs) tower over this poor woman who seems to be just trying to do her job I guess um, and leans right into her face and goes you will not take these memories from them it's none of your business um she like looks at you and goes that's not how it works we only take memories that people choose to give I don't know if that's true. She looks like a little bit worried and then like looks back at Vens and says, do they mean to settle here? I don't know what they mean, 
I can't say whether they'll want to stay here or settle here, but they just need some time. At least let them have a break. They've been travelling non-stop since the storm. They weren't even properly settled in their village. These people have gone through enough hardship. I think she, like, nods and goes, like, looks at you both, kind of, like, Belka warily. They're okay to come here, they're okay to trade and stay for a little while, but they have chosen one hell of a time. If you think that this place is going to give them reprieve, it won't. I don't know whether this place will be safe for them. The village leaders will be more than happy to discuss terms or arrangements with you, even discuss their safety while they're here. But we can't do that for them. Treat them gently and kindly. They've been through a lot. We can promise that the monks will keep them kindly, but we are not the only ones here. I think she kind of like settles down and looks at you both and goes, The woman that you seek, she came here. Is she still here? Did she leave? She is gone. She, she came to give her memories. Can we see them? Hmm. Are you offering anything here? I guess is the question. I, I think Venz would be willing to give up a juicy memory. Okay. I think that makes sense. And what what is that? If you can give us access to that memory, I will give you something that you will never have had from another person. She She looks at you and goes, Did you see the remnant? I don't think Vance says anything, but just, like, nods. Are you offering the memory of Shero's death? Yeah, that's what Vance is offering. Okay, um, so I guess this is an offer tribute, which is when you offer worthy tribute in exchange for a promise, boon, or something of value, roll. On a 10 plus your tribute is accepted, and you get what you asked for. On a 7 to 9 it comes with demands, compromise, or the conditions are changed. How are you feeling? Oh, sad. I mean, he wants to do this so he can find out the information, but he also, you know, thinking about the shower and stuff is not great for Vens. Oh, we just made it. Seven. Okay. Um, so on the seven to nine, it comes with demands, compromise, or the conditions are changed. I think, like, having reached an understanding, she just kind of, like, looks at you and nods and says, yes. And, like, begins to hold out her arm to offer you a handshake. As she offers it, she says, like, the memory of a remnant's death for the answers that you seek. And I think just before, like, your hands, like, touch and just before you shake, there is a rumbling, like, from the earth below. And, like, the building begins to shake. And as this rumbling goes on, um, like, a crack begins to appear in the domed ceiling of the Halkitic Library. And the rumbling is followed by a louder second crack, almost like explosive, and the sounds of shouting. <laughs>